Thanks so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and email us your story up at collegeparkchurch.org. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. So good to see you here this morning. You could have chosen anywhere to be, but you chose to be here and worship with us and uh, dive into God's Word. One of the things I pray that you never feel when you come into this church that you have to be perfect to be here. No, we are imperfect people, like the song says, coming to a perfect God who can make all things new. Um, I, some people understand that, but it means it has a lot of weight for me this week. My wife, she got a, um, a message this week. Somebody messaged us and um, asked, um, we're wanting to come to your church, but um, we just wanted to make sure that um, do you, we have to wear a suit and a tie. Um, do we have to wear a bow tie? Do we have to wear slacks? And my wife responded to them, just come as you are. Just come as you are. This is a place where you belong before you behave. You belong before you believe. Amen? Can you look to someone near you, not your wife or your spouse or your kid, and just tell them with faith you belong? You belong. You belong. How many of you are ready for the word? Shout amen. I don't know, man. I got so much scripture. I got so many notes. I don't even know where to start from. Let's start here. Job 23. Everybody say Job 23. Job 23, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. Don't make any noise. Don't raise your hands. Do any of you resound with that scripture right there? You're going through a storm. And you can't see God. You're experiencing trouble to the left and the right. And you can't feel God. And. Right now, you feel abandoned by God through all the trials and tribulations of your life. We, we started a series called Rooted. Everyone, everyone say rooted. And the purpose of that is in order to be able to withstand the storm, you have to have deep roots. If you're not rooted, you'll be taken by any storm that comes into your life. That's why, like in the tortoise or the Virgin Islands, almost every tree doesn't have any leaves. But there are a lot of trees that are still rooted there. Why? Because it's deeply rooted. In order to be rooted, God has to dig things out of your life in order to take a, the seed to plant it in your life. And so before you can get root, really rooted, everybody say rooted. He's going to dig out your character. He's going to dig out your feelings. He's going to dig out who you used to be in order to plant who he wants you to be in this world today. Uh, but, but, there, but, then, but then there's another process and being planted in order to be rooted. He, he pours dirt on the roots. And when he pours dirt on the roots that he's trying to burst something out of you, I don't know if you've ever been buried by dirt. I buried my sons a couple months ago and sand up to his neck. The other girl, Gracie, his sister, decided she wanted to bury his head threw some sand on his eyes, and um, 
You can only imagine um, the emotion that rises that day. Why? Because when you're buried, man, every bit of sin, every bit of dirt gets into every bit of your life. God wants to impact every bit of your life. God wants to bury every bit of your life. God wants to cover every part of your life in order to, at the end of the day, like Galatians 2.20 says, you are dead, and the only thing that remains is him, his life, shining, radiating through you. For I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. I'm not living anymore, but it's he who lives in me. The life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith. Everybody say faith. I live by faith in the one who gave his life for me. And that's a hard thing because we live in a day and time where people aren't rooted. We, we know they're not rooted because when we, can li- when we can bounce from one marriage to another marriage, when we can bounce from one mentor to another mentor, when we can bounce from one job to another job to another job to another job, when we can bounce from one church to one church to one church to one church to another church, it shows we have hardly any roots. It takes time to uproot an oak tree. It takes time to uproot a sequoia tree. It takes time to dig up something that has been deeply rooted somewhere. God doesn't want you to have shallow roots. God doesn't want you to have weak roots. God wants you to be deeply rooted in him that no matter what kind of hurricane comes your way, I'm standing on the Christ, the solid rock I I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. Maybe the reason so many people are sinking is because the ground that they are standing is weak. They're standing on the wrong source. They're standing on the wrong foundation. They're not standing on Christ a solid rock. I, I, I say this because in life, you're going to experience storms. Didn't we just figure this out the last couple of weeks? Um, my wife and I um, were trying to book a, <laughs> our anniversary trip next, next year on a cruise ship. We haven't celebrated the anniversary, I think, in... Four years? Five years? Nine years? We haven't celebrated. Really? It's been that long? (laughs) We've been on trips. We've been on vacations, but they've always been around leadership trainings and stuff that we do for the state. Church of God of Prophecy and the International Church of God of Prophecy. And we always wrap our vacations around that. So next year, we decided we're going to go on a stinking cruise, y'all. We'll serve ourselves that. Thank you. But brother on a budget. <laughs> guess what day? Guess, I'm not even kidding. Guess what day we booked it for next year? The same day Hurricane Harvey came. <laughs> you know? That's the same day we booked our vacation. It was the same day Hurricane Harvey came to Florida. You know, they're, all, you know, you know, they're meeting their quota for this year. It's going to be all good next year. You know what I mean? And uh, we, we all know that in September... Because everybody kept telling us, why are you booking a cruise in September? Do you know that's hurricane season? Yes, but it's daggone cheap, you know, brother on a budget, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to make a dollar out of 50 cent, you know what I mean? Hey, everybody's saying they're into this. Uh, we, we know, we know there, there are certain times of the year the storms are going to come. Just like there, I pray that in your faith you understand that, that you're going to experience storms too in your walk with the Lord. And you're going to experience storms in your faith. You're going to experience storms. For some reason that we think that when we serve God, that he, he makes all, he makes every environment that we're in happy. We think that when we serve God and we're faithful to him, when we're rooted in him, that he's going to make everything smooth. 
and we're not gonna have any issues and we're not gonna have any blemishes and we're not gonna have any type of, you know, dash of salt or dash of dirt in our life. But I've come to tell you, man, that, you know what? The Bible says so many great things and Job just blows my mind because the Bible says that Job was a righteous man and he experienced all sorts of evil calamity. Even Job, who did nothing wrong, didn't sin, one of the most righteous people apart from Jesus Christ, experienced some of the greatest storms of life, but he was rooted. I'm not saying he didn't question God. I'm not saying that he didn't have fear. I'm not saying he didn't, he didn't operate in his feelings. But after a while, man, after, you, after you've done bidding, you realize, you know what? I'm done releasing. I'm done gossiping or, or I'm done talking. You know what? Man, I'm rooted. Here's the thing about pressure. You only experience pressure when there is no release. That's the only way you, the reason why you're experiencing pressure in your finances, you're, you're experiencing pressure in your marriage, and you're experiencing pressure in your family, you're experiencing pressure with all your cares, it's because you haven't released it somehow, some way. You were never meant to carry all those burdens of life every single day. The Bible says, cast all your cares, say all your care, all your burden, all your worry, all your problems, to him. He said, cast all your cares to me, for I care for you. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your job. Everything that you have your hand on, my God cares about it. He cares about it. He cares so much about your hair. He knows every piece of hair. I know I don't have that much compared to some of you, but he knows every one of them by number. Why? Because our God, someone shout, my God cares. He cares. But it's hard to feel that he cares when we're going through storms. It's hard to feel that he cares when we, our marriage is on the rock. It's hard to feel that he cares. It's hard to sense that he cares. It's hard to see that he cares when all hell is breaking all around me. I was just thinking, I was just thinking of, of storms just recently. Um... I forget what day it was, the day the hurricane came and we experienced, you know, crazy winds and rains here. I remember the, the sun just changed, the, the, the light changed, and it got real dark. Ah, this thought, this thought, I've been thinking about it all this week. Judah said something. He's like, Dad, is it midnight already? I'm like, why is it? No. It's only like 6 o'clock. He goes, why is it so dark out here? I don't see the sun. Something, the Holy Spirit, quicken something to my spirit. Some of you, because you, the changing of the season or the changing of your environment and the changing of your world, you think that everything in your life changed it, but the sun is still there shining on the other side. But here's the problem. It's hard to see the sun when you're in the storm, right? Uh, put a picture of a storm. I don't see blue skies. I don't see a bright yellow sun. I see clouds, I see darkness, and I see what seems to be illustrating an abundance of rain coming in. But on the other side of that storm is the sun still shining bright. On the other side, that same sun that was shining bright and giving life is still going on. 
It hasn't weakened. It hasn't dimmed. It hasn't diminished. It hasn't been devalued. It is still there strong, perfect in all of its ways. I'm not just talking about the physical sun. I'm talking about the son of God. He's still shining. He still has all strength and he still has all power to guide you, direct you, to hold you strong through the storm. Go to the next picture. My son looked to something like this. That's what, it, would, it looks like to be a moon, but as you look at it, it looks really gloomy. It looks very dark. But on the other side, it's still shining. The purpose of a storm, though, is to bring rain. And the purpose of rain is to be able to feed or nourish the seed. Without any storm coming into your life, you'll never see the need, you'll never see the seed, and you'll never see the blessing of God manifest out of your life. We need storms. We need the rain. And so when we say pray for the rain, when we say send the rain, when we say we need the rain, God sends a storm. Come on. Every promise that God ever speaks into your life, a storm will always come after it. Have you ever read your Bible? He speaks to Joseph. Oh, man, they're going to bow down to you. Next thing, a storm comes into his life, gets thrown into a pit. He tells, he, uh, uh, he promises Moses, man, you're going to be a leader of, a, of, of, of my people, Moses, and you're going to free my people from Egypt, and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But guess what? A storm was thrown into Moses' life, and boom, the man, fear and calamity hit them because of Pharaoh and the Egyptians came to try to take care and try to kill their life. David, you're going to be king over Israel, David, one day. David, you know what? You're going to be the leader. And you're going to, uh, God has chosen you. God has anointed you. God has supported you. But for 15 years, a storm, a storm. I said a storm of clouds and rain just hung over his life. Even Jesus Christ had storms. Paul had storms. Peter had storms. There's a scripture in the Bible. Oh, first. 2 Corinthians, can you put that 7 and 8, the first one? 2 Corinthians, the other one. Paul said, I had this thorn in my flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. But Paul said, I got this thorn in my flesh. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, three times he prayed. Everybody say three times. Not one time, not two times. Three times he prayed for God to remove this thorn in his flesh. In other words, he said, God, I can do your work better if you could just make me better. God, God, if you could just... Fix this in my life. I'll be able to fix so many other people's lives. Isn't it funny that with Paul, man, he was preaching a message at one moment. This kid, this young kid in the window cell was, or in the window, in the window panel was listening to him, fell asleep, fell out the window from a, I forget how many store building, died. Paul prayed one time. Everybody say one time, that guy comes up alive. Paul prays for another person. One time, everybody say one time, this guy gets healed. But for some reason, when he starts praying for his life, he has to pray three times for an answer. How can somebody pray and activate the power of God on everybody else's life, but seem so dysfunctional in his own? 
He prays for all these storms to be, to, you know what, to just leave Brian's life. Prays for these storms to leave Kathy's life. Prays for these storms to leave Bruce's life. But when he prays for the storm that's over his life, God says no. God says no. See, you have the right to, you know, uh, you know to approach the throne, room, the throne room of God and have boldness. You have, the, you have the right to be able to, you know, approach the throne room of God and give him your verdict. But still, you got to realize God still has the power to overrule everything you have to say. Why? Because he's God and he's perfect in all of his ways. He's perfect in your marriage. He's perfect when it comes to your finances. He's perfect when it comes to your mind. Ain't he, uh, Miss Alvon? He's perfect when it comes to your preaching. Ain't, ain't that right, Brian? He's perfect when it comes to your leadership. Ain't that right, Pastor? He is perfect. But we think in order to be better for others, God made me better in this one area of our life. And so what ends up happening is we approach God with the pressure. We, pro- we approach God with our overwhelming need. We approach God with everything that is overwhelming us in our life. And we're like, God, take this thing out of me. Make my marriage better. I, I'll be able to serve you better. God, help me with my finances. Help me with my job. Help me with my business. Help me with my mind. Help me, God. Don't you want me to do better? Make me better. And God looks at Paul and says, no. What do you do then? When you're doing all you know to do and God says, no. I mean, it's not like he was crying for something selfish. He was praying for something spiritual, something good in order to be stronger in every aspect of his life. He wanted to be better in his ministry. He wanted to be better and stronger in his relationships. He wanted to be able to mentor more people. But this thorn in his flesh just kept gnawing at him, kept beating him, kept coming at him over and over again. But how many of you know God will never leave you nor forsake you? Even though he says no, he always answers. Even though he says no, he always makes a way where there seems to be no way. The thing with God is when God goes to give you a promise, when God goes to speak into your life, it's never the obvious. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He never answers you in the most obvious ways. <laughs> oh, Naaman, you want, I know you got a skin disease and you think that all I need, all I need to do is speak over to you and you're healed. No, I'm calling you to do something that, that's not obvious. Dip in the Jordan River seven times. Another man comes, he's blind, he, he hasn't seen his whole entire life. And why don't you just speak over this, Lord? Just, just, just speak the word and you can turn this black speaker into a blue speaker right now. Speak the word and you can turn my blind eyes and I can have sight. He says, no, I'm going to spit in your eyes. Will you allow me to do that? Spit in my eye? The devil is a lie. God's answers are not always obvious when he speaks them to you. And every time he speaks a promise into your life, it will always be accompanied by a storm. To see, to know, to check, to test, are you faithful? Mm. Are you going to live by sight or live by faith? Are you going to live as your sons or your daughter or your wife as the anchor to your soul? Or am I going to be the only anchor? Joseph, I know how much you love your father. I wonder if I would take your father away, will you serve me? Abraham, I know you love your son, but if I take your son away, do you, you know what? Do, will I know that you love me? 
He always goes after the thing that you love the most in the natural in order to see if you really love God and want to see him perform in the supernatural. And so he will throw storms in your life to see if you will naturally obey in order to trust you with the supernatural blessings of heaven. We'll never experience a supernatural if we cannot obey in the natural. A lot of us, if we could just get the tithing thing right, our life would just be all good. I mean, you got punctuality right, and you got faithful living right. You just can't trust God with your money. God, money has been your God, not God. Is, God is not your God. Your job is your God. God is not the God of your job. All these other things are directing you. All these other things are guiding you. All these other things are Lord over your life. But when it comes to God, serving God, giving all to him, every time a storm, every time a storm comes, you retreat. And you try, you try to find shelter in some other area, covering what's really going on within, covering the real issues. I was just talking to somebody just recently. Here's the thing about God. He realizes that everything you deal with is dirty because he created you from dirt. Can we just establish that right now? So there's something in us, for some odd reason, that feels guilty to give God our dirt. I don't know what it is sometimes. The enemy comes after us. He realizes that, that if I can't get you with a natural storm, what I'm going to do is get you with a secret storm. Anybody ever experienced a secret storm? See, man, you, may, you, you put on your makeup real good, just like you put on that smile on this morning. And you're looking at that person, and they think that you have it all right, but man, you are in a hellish storm in your mind and your heart about your entire life. No one sees what you're going through in your marriage. No one sees what you're going through in your family. No one sees what you're going through when it comes to your education. No one sees what you're going through when it comes to your future. No one sees what you're going through. You, you look like you have it all together. But inside, you're, you're dealing with these secret storms, these hidden storms, these incognito storms that no one else knows. Everybody, that person sitting, they're jealous of your car, and they don't realize you're in a secret storm. You can't even pay the bill. People jealous over your house, people jealous over your favor, and don't realize that inside, man, you are mentally ill. You're about to snap just like that. Want to drive over a cliff, want to call it quits. You're about to drive to your home, and you just want to keep on driving past your house. Come on, somebody. Everyone thinks you got it together, but God sees the secret storms that you're going through, and he says, give me it. Give me it. Every crib, Bob, the Apostle Paul, y'all, was suicidal almost. Take this from me. Even David said, David said, does the Lord care for my soul? Do you care? Job says, are you there? We think for some reason that if we question God, that we are wrong. No, God wants all your questions. God wants all your concerns. He wants all your anger. He wants all your fury. He wants it all, y'all. The apostle Paul, y'all, man, this is what he does. He says, man, I can't take it, God. To live is to live as Christ, to die is to gain. Man, just take me. At least I could be with you right now and escape the suffering that's within. 
so many people dealing with suffering, so many people dealing with pressure, so many people considering giving up. You know what God does? He speaks this in 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. My grace is sufficient for everything that you're going through, Paul. You think in order to be made complete, I got to take that out of you? No, my grace is enough. You think in order for you to be a minister, I got to do this in your life? No, my grace is enough. You think in order to fix that marriage, young couple, you know, man, no, God's grace is enough. You think you got, no, God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient for every hellish storm that comes in my way. God's grace is greater than any sin that tries to approach me and tempt me within. God's grace is great. Someone shout, God's grace is greater. Oh, the grace of God. God's grace is greater. But we live in a time where we are forgetting the grace of God, making other things greater. We make our marriage greater than God. We make our families greater than God. We make our possessions greater than God. We make our jobs greater than God. And God's like, no, I'm greater. I'm waiting for you. You can try. You can try to get that promotion. You can try to get that job, but that storm will take you out, Mark Wagner. You can try to get married, and you can try to have kids, and you can try to raise up what looks to be the American dream, but it will fail you one day. My grace is the only thing that will sustain you. My grace is the only thing that can give you the strength through it all. My grace is the only thing that will keep your mind together. My grace is enough. That's why Paul said, I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What's Paul saying? His grace. His grace is enough. I've realized now What God said, his grace is sufficient for all my needs. Because he remembered the B part of that same scripture. In your weakness, Paul, I am stronger. How many of you want to see the strength of God in your life? Raise your hand. You know how the strength of God has manifested through your life? Through trouble. Come on, man. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand the scriptures where it says he inhabits the praises of his people. But unfortunately, here's the thing. He visits you in your praise and worship, but he lives in your times of trouble and persecutions. The Bible says he is our very present help in time of. When I'm in trouble, he's present. When I'm, in a, when I'm dealing with infliction, he's there. When I'm dealing with a storm, you know what? He might not be freaking out, but he might be below asleep. Say, you know what? This is, this is all right, Peter. We're going to get through this. Unfortunately, God might not be operating the way you want him to operate, but can I tell you he's there? That's what happened to Peter and the disciples. They were all in a storm. They were going from one destination to another destination, going from one place, getting direction from the Holy Spirit or getting direction from God himself to go to another land. And in the middle, everybody see, in the middle, there was a storm. Storms always happen in the middle. Storms always happen in transition. Storms always happen when the baton is passed from one person to another person, from one generation to the next generation, from one church to another church. There will always be a storm. And the Bible says that the disciples were facing a storm and they were scared out of their mind. We're going to die today. Where is Jesus? 
Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? Jesus, don't you care that my marriage is on the rocks? Jesus, don't you care that my finances are all, all over the place? Jesus, don't you care about my mind and I'm on all these antidepressants? Jesus, don't you care about my heart? It's been broken by so many people. And where did they find Jesus? Just chilling and sleeping through the storm. <laughs> because he ain't phased by none of it. <laughs> Ain't no storm took him out yet. Ain't no, no storm in the future going to take him out then. My God is greater. Come on, somebody. Speak some faith inside of your soul. My God is greater. He's greater. He's greater than any problem. He's greater than any need. He's taller than any mountain. He's stronger than any sin that will try to rival against me. My God is greater. I wonder what you're rooted in today. Are you rooted in grace? Are you rooted in the storm? What are you rooted in today? Maybe the reason why your life is so shakable, stoppable, is because you haven't stayed a long time to be rooted. Oh, man, come next week. I'll give you the B part. <laughs> all the enemy has to do, all Satan wants, all the tricks that have been placed on you have to do with blocking your ability to release what God is putting on you. It's one of the most frustrating things, one of the most hardest frustrated things to ever experience in the life of any believer. It's to have, God, to have God speak into you so much, speak so many promises into your life. And you never find a release for it all. Right? Isn't that why, isn't, isn't that why most people search for, from church to church? Because they just want to find a release. God has put something in them. I know some people leave for the wrong reasons, but I want to talk to the people who are leaving for the right reasons. And you feel guilty that you've been searching to and fro. You, 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 the enemy has put guilt and condemnation on you for the choices and decisions that you've made. And, 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 then, and then you have the guilt of, have I wasted time? Now you have the guilt of, did I lose it? You have the guilt of, did I miss it? And the enemy keeps... Plaguing your mind and coming to you, does God really care? God has left you. God has forsaken you. I mean, it's the same strategy, the same trick that Satan did in the Garden of Eden from the very beginning, right? He tries to use God's power against him. He tries to use your calling against you. He tries to use everything that God has placed inside you to be bought up in you so you will implode and then one day explode on everybody. But if you can find that release, everybody say release, you'll finally get rid of that pressure. But you'll never get rid of that pressure if you don't go to God and release. You see, here's the thing I was telling somebody just earlier. If you talk to anybody else about your problems, it's gossip. If you talk to God about it, that's righteous. 
talking to everybody else about your issues is straight sin and it's straight gossip and it will sow a seed of misdirection in every area of your life. We're good at talking to everybody and releasing everything and casting all our cares to everybody else except God. And so we, we get part of the release, right? We were, we're releasing, we're just releasing to the wrong people. We're releasing to the wrong environment. We are releasing to the wrong source. But if we can get connected to the bind, we will produce the right source. We'll produce the right thoughts. We'll produce the right feelings. We'll produce the right action. We will produce the right praise. We'll produce the right things if we can release the right way. I wonder, how, how are you when it comes to releasing your idiosyncrasies? How are you when it comes to releasing your problems and pressures? How are you, uh, uh, how are you when it comes to releasing your anger and unforgiveness? We had a women's outing. Um, College Park had the women's outing this past Saturday. My wife came home. She, she was so excited what happened Saturday. She was like, it was just amazing from start to finish. I was like, tell me about it. And she was just, you know, grinning. From, well, she's always grinning from ear to ear. She's probably the happiest person I know. And she was telling me about some of the ladies. And one of the questions that was given is, I think if, I'm, if, I, if memory serves me right, I need some ginkgo. Pray for me, y'all. Um, what is the most courageous thing that you've ever done, been a part of? Yeah, what is the most courageous thing? And so the ladies kept talking, and one lady was like, I went on a 25-day, a month and a half vacation with my in-laws. That's courageous, y'all. That's correct. Ain't no way. I know God works in mysterious ways, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know about a month and a half, maybe a week. Another lady goes on and, or she tells me about another lady that goes on. The most courageous thing I've ever did was bury my, my mother and father at the same time. Whew, all right? The release. The release. I found myself crying in my bedroom. My wife <laughs> grinning ear to ear, crying on the bed, talking to me. As the release of their testimony encouraged me and my wife that day because of that release. I was talking to somebody early in the back while worship was going. Holy Spirit said, I need you to pray for this person, prayed for this person. And um, she started releasing a vision that God spoke into her life where God spoke something to her. She was on a beach on white sand and all of a sudden a storm started approaching. And as she prayed, it was like a funnel and the wave covered everything except her and where she was standing because of the release. The release. We're living in a day and time where we don't want to release. I know that by the altar calls, not just in College Park, but across America today, people don't want to release. They don't want to release at the altar. They don't want to release to God. They don't want to release to the Holy Spirit. No, I'm good all by myself. I'm good. Just me, myself, and I, I'm good. Because we're scared to trust because all the other times that we release, people have taken our trust. 
and manipulated it, backstabbed it, recorded it, cut it up, and sent the other people to destroy you because of it. Just happened a couple months ago to me. But we can't stop releasing what God has placed in us. We can't stop releasing the forgiveness of God in us. We can't stop releasing the grace of God to others that the same grace that he places on us, we got to give that grace back. The same mercy he gives us, we got to give that back. And we got, are, are, are we rooted or not rooted, church? Are we going to be a city on a hill or not, church? Are we going to be sons and daughters of God or not, church? If that is, then we need to release. If we're rooted in God, there must be a release. There must come a time Where we give God not just the pretty, but the ugly and dirty. If you ever read after the fall of man, all the way up to Revelations, every Christian in the Bible, every faith-filled believer in the Bible, all struggled with their security. They all struggled with their identity. The prophets of old were suicidal. One cut himself. One preached naked. One, one ran away and God ate him up through the belly of a whale. But one thing is for sure, I don't care how crazy you are, just stay standard, stay rooted. Who cares what everyone says? Just release. Who cares how everybody thinks you look? Just release. Who cares how people talk about you when you worship, when you pray? Just release. You know, the man legion in the Bible People give him, like, so much slack. I think he is amazing. In fact, I think he's one of the strongest people in the Bible, even apart from all the disciples. But have you ever read it? I think it's in Mark chapter 5. I was just reading it today or this week in my Bible reading plan. Mark describes that when Jesus approached, that man legion came after him, came after Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He knew the presence of God had stepped into the place. The Bible says that when Jesus rebuked the demons out of the, out of the, out of the legion, that those demons counted to be so much that it infiltrated 2,000, over, close to approximately 2,000 pigs, and they flew over a cliff, and they all died. Over 2,000 demons were in this God, but guess what? He was still standing. Caught up, but still standing. Naked, but still standing. He could have been dead, probably should have been dead, but he was still standing. And finally, when the presence of God came, he experienced the freedom as he released. Some of you will never experience the freedom of God till you release. You'll never be rooted in the promises of God till you release. Because every storm that comes your way, because you have failed to release, you failed to have deep roots. Because you failed to have deep roots, you will be taken by every temptation that comes your way, that overshadows your land, that darkens every environment of your life. But I pray through the sound of the Holy Spirit that is moving through the north, south, east, and west of this building, that there will be a release that flows from our heart to say, God, here I am. Here's the thorn in my flesh. Here's the pain that I have towards my husband. Everybody thinks my marriage is right, but in my mind, I hate my life. Here it is, God. Here are my issues with my kids. 
I keep saying I'm blessed and highly favored. I keep telling everybody one day it's good, but God is going to turn it around. God's going to move it from glory to glory to glory. But in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, my soul, are you there, God? Are you there? I want to quit. I want to give up. I want to throw in the towel. I want to drive up a cliff. I just want to keep driving on. But if we can release to God, if we can just find that secret place to grow deep roots, not in gossip, not grow deep roots in unforgiveness, not grow deep roots in our pain of our past, but say, God, here is my pain. Here are my problems. Here are my concerns. David even said, no one cares about me. That's how some of us feel. They care about my money. They care about my talent. They care about, they care, they care about my gifts, but they don't care about my soul. They don't care about my soul, God. And here is David crying before the Lord. No one cares about me. The king. The king is crying out. I'm reminded about another king. King Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times he prayed. (laughs) Three times he prayed, God, take this from me. Take this pressure from me, God. Take this, take this next step of the process of salvation from me, God. God, please let this cup pass from me, God. But I'm rooted. I'm rooted. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. If this is what you want from me, let your will go happen. If this is what you want from me, I will stand. If this is what you want from me, I don't know how you're going to get the glory. I don't know how you get the honor. But I am rooted. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse to move. I'm standing. God, change, change the courts. Verdict, God, change my spouse's view. God, change my kid's heart. God, change the worship. God, change their talk. God, change their mind. But even if they don't, I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My God is able to deliver me from the fiery furnace. But even if he does it, I'm not going to get uprooted. I'm rooted in your grace. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough. Your grace is all I need. I'm reminded. They started looking in the fiery furnace. Didn't we throw three men in there? Yeah. But I see a fourth man in there. And the enemy that threw them in the fiery pit even acknowledged it looks like it's the Son of God. (laughs) He's with you. (laughs) He's with you. 
if you'll stay rooted. He's with you. Don't uproot where you're at. Just, just keep standing. Just keep declaring. Just keep moving. You got grace for this. You got grace for your marriage. You got grace for your ministry. You got grace for your anointing. You got grace for your calling. You got grace for your spouse. You got grace for your kids. Someone said, I got grace. I got grace. And his grace is sufficient for everything that I find my life in. You're telling me, God, God has grace when my kids die, like Job. God has grace for me when it takes my house and my business. God has grace. God has grace for you. You don't have to have a functional marriage and a functional business in order to experience a functional God. God is functional in season and out of season because he's perfect in every season. Could somebody stand to your feet and give God praise this morning if you believe this? Can you grab your neighbor's hand at this time? Somebody is, is going through a secret warfare right now. Somebody beside you, around you, near you is going through a secret battle that nobody else is knowing. Somebody near you needs your prayers right now. Somebody needs your rooted faith. Somebody needs your rooted anointing. Somebody needs your rooted love. Somebody needs your rooted grace to produce fruit that will be able to give them substance to take a step for each brand new day that is given to us through Jesus Christ. So right now, what I want us to do, I want us to make this whole entire place an altar call. And the hand that you are holding, I just want you to pray, God, let them see your grace. God, let your grace be revealed. God, your grace is sufficient for all that we need and all that we're going through. God, I don't feel it. This is the time where you don't fake it till you make it. You fight. Someone, someone shout, I'm a fighter. Stop making excuses. Stop being a spiritual wimp. Stop retreating th through every storm that comes your way and say, no, I'm boarding up my walls. I'm preparing this vessel. And we are going to see the power of the Holy Spirit move miraculously as we become a rooted church, rooted in the only one that can do it in our life. Amen? We can pray right now, church. God, I pray, God, for every individual in this house right here, right now, Lord. We pray to our, for our neighbor to the left and to the right. We pray for the secret wars that, that they are battling within. God, we pray, God, to their, the secret war in their mind, the secret war in their heart, the secret war in their marriage, the secret war, God, when it comes to their family, the secret war of their job, the secret, the wars that no one else knows, but the wars that they are battling all by themselves. Father God, we pray for your great grace to come up upon them now. Your great grace to break every chain open up every prison wall, renew every mind, heal every heart in this house today. Pray, saints. Pray, people of faith. 
Stir this gift with inside of us. Stir that anointing that is within inside of you. Speak life. Holy Spirit, now. Move, Holy Spirit, like only you can do in this house. Move, Holy Spirit, like only you can do. Move, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you just don't move in the shout. You move in the storms. You're not just present when we praise and worship you in a church building. You are going to be present now as we live this place in that secret war. That secret war, you're going to be present. Oh, you are very present help in time of trouble. You're there, God, through every trial and tribulation, you're there. Like Peter, you're in that same boat, that same ship, that same relationship. That same marriage, you're in that same job, you're in that same cubicle, you're in that same room, and it hasn't phased you. You're not gonna let the righteous be forsaken, nor their seed, our seed, all these seeds begging for bread. But in the mighty name of Jesus, we commit to stay rooted, not in the church, not in the denomination, not the pastor Mark, we commit to stay rooted in you, Jesus Christ. You are our foundation. You are our bedrock. You are our source. Can we just sing this over our life prophetically? You're perfect, Lord. You got this. You got this. You got this. I don't feel it, but you got this. I don't sense it, but you got this. I don't see it, but you got this. I have faith that you got this. You have us in your hand. You have our whole life in your hand and you're going to see it manifest. You and you alone are going to do that, Lord. And so we say, God, we're sorry for everything else that we have put roots in. You are the source of our life. You are the source of it all. And so, Father God, this morning, this day, this moment, be Lord and Savior of our life. I thank you for your word that all we have to do because of your amazing graces. All we have to do, God, is repent. All we have to do is turn away. All we have to do is confess our sins. God, and you're our very present help in the time of trouble. Our very present help to bring us in and take us home. Like the prodigal son, you are present that when we come home, you're going to throw a party like you did for the prodigal son because you have so much love for us, so much grace. Where sin abounds, the Bible says his grace abounds even more. What does that mean? His grace is so much more and so much greater than any sin that you are experiencing within.
And he's as close as the mentioning of his name. I pray that if you have a question about your salvation, if you have a question about your soul, if you have a question where you want to spend eternity, that after service, man, please find me. I'll be standing here. I want to talk. I would love to talk with you, guide you, direct you, get you into a place where you're connected into a leadership where you have a spiritual father, a spiritual mentor, a spiritual mother that will help guide you in your walk with the Lord. There's a lot of new things happening in our church. We have a care team where we're trying to minister to the elders of our church, the shut-ins of our church, the elders outside our church, the shut-ins outside of our church. Starting a women's ministry that just happened this Saturday and many more things to come. We want you to get plugged in. We want you to get connected. Why? Because we're better together. Someone shout, we're better together. Someone shout, we're better together. You belong here. Amen. God bless you.